Ramadan is supposed to be a very spiritual, very peaceful month of devotion. But now, month of Ramadan is the saddest month for the Uyghurs. We are disappearing. Genocide is taking place in our country. And I don't understand myself why this has happened. My name is Rahima Mahmoud. I was born in the city of Khulja, the northern part of East Turkestan. And the Uyghurs lived in the Uyghur homeland uh, for thousands of years. We are Turkic, very similar to the Uzbek people. Our language is Turkic, so we are much closer to Istanbul than Beijing. And religiously, we are Sunni Muslim. Before we became Muslim, we were Buddhists and uh, shamanism. So the Uyghurs, the culture, it reflects in the very old paintings and uh, songs and music. So it has its very unique culture. The influence of Sufism is very, very strong. So as musician myself, a lot of my songs, the lyrics are very much Sufi, about divine love and uh, etc. The place I call it East Turkestan, geographically is in Central Asia. I would like also explain the name of Xinjiang. Xinjiang means new frontier or new territory, is a colonial name. Although Chinese government claimed that Xinjiang was historically part of China, the name itself, new frontier or new territory, proved the land was never historically part of China. So it was occupied during the Qing dynasty and before the Chinese Communist Party occupied East Turkestan in 1949, we had two very brief independence, 1933 and 1944. In 1949, the Han Chinese population in East Turkestan was 4 to 5%. They actually all spoke Uyghur language because if they didn't, it made it very difficult for them to go by their everyday life. So then the mass immigration started from the 50s. The Chinese government wanted to populate the region and gradually assimilate Uyghur people and other Turkic Muslims for them to accept the Chinese way of life. My name is Nisa. I came to England about 20 years ago and I'm living with my family, with my four kids and uh, with my husband. And my daughter is the oldest one and she's with me now. Yeah, and she's studying in the university. She's very helpful with everything, cooking and technology, even like, writing. I'm helping yeah. you right now with the technology. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, she's helping me too with how to set up the, that, the recordings. I 
came from Kashgar and East Turkestan. Kashgar is one of the ancient city. It has 3,000 years history and it was very colorful, very interesting. Kashgar is the heart of Turkestan and uh, yeah. Uh, sorry, I, 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 I am very emotional. Kashka is in my heart. Every single minute, I miss my country and Kashka, especially day by day now. <laughs> For Uyghurs, music is absolutely essential. I was quite lucky to be born in a, this very religious and also very artistic and musical family. So the easiest way to describe Mokam is a classical music of the Uyghur. And we are very, very proud of the 12 maqam that we have. And each of the 12 maqams consists of a main section that begins with a long free rhythm introduction, then followed by pieces with characteristic rhythmatic patterns that gradually increase in speed. It has very much the Sufi influence. A lot of lyrics are by these very well-known Sufi poets. For example, one of the maqam that I love most, that I perform in most of my concerts, is Uzhal maqam. It starts with a very slow songs. And there are parts you sit and listen as if it is like a recitation of Quran and you want to cry. And then gradually the music melody changes from slow to fast. And so combination of different part of maqam. So there will be a part where when you hear the music, you cannot sit straight. You just want to stand up and dance. I come from a very large family who had 10 children and we used to get up with the other siblings in order to eat together. My father often made sure that our favorite food, our favorite fruits, our favorite snacks and desserts are on the table. So the opening fast normally start with the uh, little snacks, the dates, raisins, and homemade biscuits. And uh, then open fast with the normally soup. And uh, often is the handmade thin cut noodle in the lamb soup with a lot of vegetable, very healthy. 
and uh, we call it Ugure or Menper. And the then main course like a polo, the carrot rice with lamb, dumplings, or the handmade pasta. We do everything from scratch and everyone sit around a big table and eat. Even before I left my country, this was already becoming tighter every year. They targeted the Uyghurs who worked for the government. So when I was teaching, we were told, you must watch out if anyone fasting in your class or if anyone go to Friday prayers, you must report them. Most of us, we fasted, but we didn't really say we are fasting to our Han Chinese colleagues and you're okay as long as you didn't say anything. But I believe after I left, then I learned a lot of news report and uh, personal testimonies that actually during Ramadan, they visit homes and uh, also at schools, they gather teachers at lunchtime and offer food and they watch if someone is not eating, then they punish them. So gradually now, openly, the situation changed, and new laws, new regulations implemented, and the tighter on religion. So they're not only just targeting the Uyghur party officials or Uyghurs working in the education sectors, but overall, and we know that children at school, they were questioned, asking them, do your parents get up late at night? Do they eat during the day? So they try to get this information from little children, primary school children. And then if they get this information, then they go and punish the parents. As I remember, my dad and my mom and uh, my older siblings were fasting and we get up at daybreak, silently eating. And even I remember we don't turn on the light. We just use the candle and keep it secret. When we went to the school, when the first Ramzanis came, the teachers forced us to drink water and sometimes they would offer candy. So I asked many questions from my dad. Dad, why they forced us drinking? And my dad said they were checking if we were fasting or not. Always we can't talk about the religion or anything in outside. It's only inside. And even we, since my childhood, we never allowed to freely fasting. My name is Dilnaz and I'm here with my father, Kerem. He's a religious scholar and he's now translating the Quran into Uyghur language. The Chinese government used to shame Ramadan, shame praying. They said, oh, people who are stupid would fast or they would pray. So for them, it was something secret. So at that time, if they wanted to study Islam open, the Chinese government had to set like their people to teach them. And they say that they didn't study the real religion Islam, but they studied the Islam that the Chinese government created, basically the one that suits their policies and all of that. And the social Islam, 
Socialist yeah. Islam. Socialist Islam. <laughs> so because he wanted to study the real Islam, he had to go secretly and study secretly. He was prison for nearly a year. He's saying that he was prison because he wasn't the type of religious man that the Chinese government wanted them to be. He says that everything, like all the communities, events, everything was under the control. The Chinese government would always control the things that was happening there. And because he realized all the pressure there and because he taught his students about it, he was prisoned. On the first three days, they actually didn't let him to sleep. When he fell asleep, they would burn his hand using cigarettes. And then on the third day, when he fainted because of tiredness, and then they took him to a room. So since then, he says that they would either hang him and beat him, and they'd do a lot of tortures. And he would always say, no matter what, we have to fight for our people. We have to fight for the Uyghur's human rights and for freedom. This is a song about the Tarim. And the Tarim is a very well-known river. And the camp called the Tarim Labor Camp is a, one of the largest notorious labor camps. So this song, it really reflects the current situation as well. That's why you can hear that very, very deep, sad melody. Farewell, loved ones. I have left for the banks of Tarim. Farewell, roses of my desire that I have danced with growing up. I have left for the banks of Tarim, and tirelessly I shall labor. If you come to Tarim with flowers, I shall adorn you. The situation was getting worse day by day since 1989 student democratic movement in Tiananmen Square, and I was at the square. But the situation in East Turkestan from the early 90s started getting worse. 1997, on the 5th of February, young Uyghur took to the street and demanded cultural and religious freedom. Instead of addressing the situation, the government deployed military and opened fire, killing over 100 protesters on the day, followed by mass arrest. According to the Amnesty International report, 195 execution. And the devastation in this city, you cannot imagine. Some of my relatives had children already arrested. Almost every family was affected by these arrests. I cannot see the future, my own future and my son's future. And uh, I promised myself that if I want to give my child 
a better, free future. The only way is to leave the country. Suddenly, my phone calls left unanswered. And then for two months, I couldn't get through to anyone. And New Year, in 2017 New Year, I called my brother, my eldest brother, repeatedly. In the end, he answered his phone. And then when I asked him why no one is answering my phone call, he said, leave us in God's hands and we leave you in God's hands too. And his voice was trembling. And I said, okay. And I put the phone down. It has been now over four years. And this is going to be the fourth Ramadan. I had no contact with my family since 2016. And I tried every way. Any relatives, any my siblings, I couldn't contact it. The last I was contacted with my uh, sister, and she told me, that, please don't call me for a while, even I don't know, that, uh, are they alive or not? <laughs> This song is again about the life of exile. It was written during the late 50s. So during this period, huge number of Uyghurs realized that they were under risk, so they fled, fled to former Soviet Union. So this song is about the separation and reflect the exile. We found places in the mountains because we were driven out from our gardens. And this was our fate. But we did not surrender. Hello, there's no genocide of the Uyghurs, China says, as it tries to show us what it calls the real Xinjiang. China's pushback against its British critics is leading to... We are disappearing. Genocide is taking place in our country. I didn't see any fault in my religion, but I don't understand myself why this has happened and why Allah is willing to do happening this one. So it's a hard question to give answer. Dating from remote antiquity, Xinjiang has been an integral and inseparable part of the Chinese territory. This propaganda, number one purpose is to encourage the Han Chinese people to uh, move from the uh, mainland China to the so-called Xinjiang. And another purpose is now because of this reputation damage that has been happening there and the Chinese government truly believe that world don't really know what is happening and uh, using this kind of propaganda to cover up the evil policies. 
This is a land of religious harmony, where the freedom of religious beliefs is respected and protected. In Xinjiang, the principle of the freedom of religious beliefs enshrined in the national constitution has been implemented in entirety. Normal religious activities of believers and their religious needs are guaranteed by law. Conditions and facilities for religious activities and the venues are constantly improving. Of course, when I watching these videos, it's very painful, and I feel sorry for those who actually singing and dancing and saying the party lines. I don't blame them. I feel sorry for them because uh, no one has the right to say no when party officials approach them and uh, tell them what to say. We don't know during this Ramadan what kind of propaganda games they're going to show. I'm sure you will see that they will have this propaganda video about people fasting and uh, saying that the party policies is so great that Uyghurs have the freedom to practice religion, they can fast, and etc. etc. But we know there are millions uh, locked up and uh, they are going through this very harsh brainwashing process. So it's an extreme situation. Since my childhood, the Ramadan time is a really special for us. We cook our traditional food like manta, lagman, polo, and we prepare as much as we can. Yeah, yes. it's, I'm actually a little bit jealous because she tells us about stories of how the entire community would be um, celebrating together. But obviously the community here is quite small and we just kind of keep to ourselves. We just celebrate as a family, but not much happens, especially not compared to what would happen back home in, in my mum's time. I feel sorry for them as well, yeah, <laughs> because we're living far away, so we can't come all the time together. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a lot more prevalent when I was younger, you know, a couple of years ago. The oil community would still gather around at, Eid, for Eid, yeah. yeah. They'd gather around at a park or a community hall. That kind of hasn't happened in a couple of years now. Um, so, yeah, it's a bit sad. Yeah, but safety is the first. Of course, yeah. with the pandemic, it's not going to happen. <laughs> my mum knows what my favourite food is. We've got this thing called khazaninim. My mum calls it an Uyghur pizza, but it's not like anything like that, really. But, um, yeah, that's my favourite food. And she doesn't make it often enough, but I've learned how to make it now, so hopefully I'll be making it after <laughs> um, Ramadan. But um, I don't know. We make different food. Yeah, we're doing different food. I hope you can come one day and taste my food. <laughs> You're very welcome. He says, even though our life here is pretty good, we always suffered because of our thoughts. We know that our people are going through torture, our pain. So even though his life here is pretty good and pretty wonderful, but because of his thoughts and all of that, he still suffers. Yeah. <laughs>
will be just peace and quiet and on my own and I will receive my son occasionally he will come he will stay with me we open fast together maybe close fast together so the happiest moment is when my son is around for me the most important thing is that if my loved ones are safe if they are okay then the rest is easy for me but the hardest bit is not knowing what is happening that is the hardest bit And you can hear this program again and find other editions of Things Unseen at www.thingsunseen.co.uk.